an Ironic Media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. How do I move forward in the most conscious way? Because so much of this is learning and growing and being okay, no matter what level you are within your career, that we have to continue to learn and grow and put our ego aside and say, how can I be the best version of myself? So I came up with something called Soul Map. It has three different levels and it's first level. The first nine steps is conscious leader and then conscious company and conscious community. And it was based on the seen and the unseen energy. So I've studied feng shui a lot and also the chakra centers. There's different colors attached and a flow. So the first is purpose. If you are a conscious leader, like you are aware and awake of your higher purpose. Like what gets you out of bed every day? And it's not profitability. (laughs) And it's not profitability. It's like, what is the why of why you exist? Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for well over a decade. My connection with energy is so strong, and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right, today on the podcast, I have Sydney Price with me, and she is a longtime friend I've known her probably 15 years. She's been throughout almost the entire journey of me getting into my spiritual groove. And I wanted to bring Sydney on because she's a major manifester. That is her superpower for real. She's done incredible things. She's super humble about it all. In fact, like even over the years I've known her, I know bits and pieces of it, but like I started going through her bio and I was like, holy moly, girl, you are amazing. She created the best economic empowerment program, and it was voted on by the U.S. Chambers of Commerce. She also was the most influential woman of the year in 2015. By the way, that best economic empowerment program was then studied by Georgetown University. So she is like legit changing lives, changing companies. She used to work for Nima Marcus and Kate Spade. She's gone into 50 countries and empowered women to find economic freedom. So Sydney, thank you for being here. Please tell us, how did you get into becoming a manifester the way that you are? Absolutely. Thank you, first of all, for having me. This is a lot of fun. It started right when I graduated from college. I guess in my early 20s, I started becoming more aware and and wanting to take the journey within. And it started with Sonia Choquette and uh, Julian Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. And that was really a spiritual journey. But for my professional journey after college, like you said, I went into the Neiman Marcus group and I was a merchant. So that gave me the opportunity to travel to many, many countries buying products, but I also was able to see firsthand the injustices going on, especially around women in developing countries lack of education, poor health, just basic human rights being met. And there was also a yearning for me to take my business acumen and 
also apply it in a way that was actually going to make a positive difference in the world because I had reached a point in my own career that I had reached a level of, is this what my life is going to be about? And I had another half of my life to work, essentially. I really was trying to figure out what was going to be the best path for me forward. And it has always been following my passion. So I got into fashion initially because I love beautiful products, especially handmade and from artisans. Hmm. Second of all, the, one of the greatest joys of mine is to travel because that's how I learn. Every time I go to a new country, it's like getting a PhD. <laughs> also, it's very creative. So, and it also has a business lens. So I figured how I originally got into fashion is I really followed my heart. And that has taken me on the most incredible journey where I am today in leading my own company called The New Purpose. And The New Purpose really helps companies become more conscious on a social and an environmental level. But it's really about following my heart and making the tough decisions sometimes of what society expects of you and what you need to do for yourself to actually be happy. First of all, there's so many things here. One, I can imagine seeing those women in those countries and not being able to help them just yet would have propelled you into this Mm -hmm. whole new way of life where you're giving back and helping to support them. That's incredible. But also with fashion, obviously we're evolving as a society around fashion, right? Like, especially with the pandemic, people have realized maybe I don't need those expensive clothes all the time, or maybe they mean less or other things mean more. As a society prior to the pandemic, I would assume that we were much more wasteful in terms of consuming things. And I think maybe we're getting to a place where we're consuming less, which it sounds like is where you're going with everything Mm -hmm. that you're working on is having more of these quality products out there that are beautiful and handmade or made well and supporting the world in in terms of this new way of living and finding leadership that's conscious about there isn't infinite resources and there isn't infinite space and land and things like that. So two interesting facts. The fashion industry is the dirtiest industry in the world, second dirtiest industry in the world outside of oil and gas. Mind oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow. Because every step along the supply chain from growing cotton, it has the pesticides. And it also is one of the thirstiest crops in the world. Hmm. How much we actually feed the cotton plants could probably give water to a whole country. Every single step, once you even get the raw material to then dye in the raw material and all those dyes going into the earth. People don't think of fashion as dirty, but it's incredibly dirty. And then at the last end of disposal, 98% of what is produced in the world goes into landfills or gets burned and goes into our environment. That is really mind-blowing. And in the United States, there was a stat that came out that U.S. population gets rid of 70 pounds of clothing and shoes a year. Whoa. So it just go reiterates what you just said of how much do we really need? And we're just such a wasteful society. And COVID definitely has shed light on how much do we really need. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting right now at the time of this taping, I'm going through a purging again within my own house. So like I've got this like intense need to really donate a lot of stuff and pare down. And I'm not exactly sure about it, but I started checking with some other friends and they're going through the same thing right now. 
and it's interesting. I'm watching this show on Netflix and the, this family has a lot of wealth and they have all these shoes and all these clothes. And I, it actually started making me nauseous watching all of the clothes. Like, and I'm thinking like they probably wear only like a 10th of what's there. Right. So it just seems so wasteful. And, and there is so many more better things I think we could be doing with that money and, and that those resources. But that's just my my opinion. So yeah, I, that's really important that you shared about the, how dirty it is. I didn't realize it was that dirty. I knew it was bad. <laughs> Especially yeah. the, what do they call that when the, the Century 21 clothes, like the disposable clothes or... I'm not sure the exact terminology. Yeah, something like to. that. But I think... There's also something really good about what's going on. There's so many innovative business models popping up like resell and recycling Mm -hmm. and taking the plastic out of oceans and making it into clothes. And it's really pulling the best out of people as well around the innovation. So confident fashion is going to figure it out, but they definitely need to lead the way. You are an amazing manifester, as I said. So I want to talk to you about that as specifically. So my entire time of knowing Sydney, again, 15 years, she manifests so quickly. And we were talking about it prior to the podcast, how like that's shifted over the years, how you manifest. And I really want to dive deep into that because it's really important for where we're going as a society and spiritually. Absolutely. In my 20s, I've always been a very visual person. And I really didn't even understand what manifestation meant in the sense of I read the book, Creative Visualization, which is amazing. And I absolutely recommend it to everyone. And I've read it over and over. And really, that is just having a mind's eye of what you want and not just seeing it, but also you have to feel it like it already exists. I think where people get tripped up sometimes is they might see something, but then there's a belief that, oh, I can't have that. Let's say you want to manifest a significant other in your life. You have to actually feel that you're already in love. You actually have to feel how that would be, that partnership would be. Like energy attracts like energy. So in most of my life, I have manifested through vision boards. And right behind me, you can see I'm working on a vision board right now. I see it. Right now, that vision board has exactly the type of work I want, the type of place I want to be living, and the type of relationships or partnerships that I want. And I'm also a very organized, uh, systematic person. So through most of my life, the way I was able to manifest is to have a vision board and clear will and like a game plan and execute on it. And I achieved it and it was miraculous, but a lot of effort went into it and I achieved it and I kept on building these things. But a lot of times after I achieved it, then there was an exhaustion afterwards. Right. And almost a disappointment a little bit of like so much was put into the achieving and the the receiving of it versus the actual journey. And a couple of years ago, I was unable to manifest in that way anymore. Like my spirit just did not allow me to do that. So over the last couple of years, I've actually been manifesting in a whole different way. And it's the opposite way. The original way was of doing, and now it's really about being very calm 
and listening really deeply to my spirit and following impulses and following the signs of the universe. Mm. And it's really more about being versus doing. Obviously, doing to manifest is required. But when you're being and you're getting guidance from the universe and your guides and whatever else, there's not effort and there's so much joy. So what I am finding is the way I used to manifest was the joy was in the actual manifestation. And the way I'm manifesting now is so much of the joy is the building and the leading up to the actual thing. So it's like a two in one now instead of just a one. And I have so much more energy. And probably so much uh, more inspiration. And so much more inspiration. And it's fun. But I, I think within that, I, I'm a definitely recovering control uh, <laughs> addict and also perfectionist. And I've had to learn to trust. And mm. that even though I can't see it, I have to believe that it's there and I have to feel into it. And that has been the key for me is to really trust what's in my heart. And I think the other thing, Amy, is in my spiritual practice, I started in my 20s and I'm definitely older than you. I'm in my 50s now. I thought a big angel with wings was going to sit next to me and say, okay, here's the game plan. This is what's going to happen. And for me, as I get older, it's the whispers, it's the impulses, it's the, it's, it's paying attention to like something that might be right in front of me that I didn't see before because there's so much help around us, but it's subtle. And so I guess that's the other thing that I'll say is through manifesting, it's really about quieting ourselves and really paying a close attention and taking action then. And then taking action. Right. Yes. Yeah. What you're describing is the reticular activating system that's in our brain. So when we are busy, our reticular activating system is just finding what it already knows, which might be about doing things. And so you might miss all these little hints or whispers, right? Because you're just on autopilot. But when we quiet the mind and we start changing the direction of our attention, we eventually start to realize, like you're saying, pay attention to those whispers. And then we keep paying attention to those whispers. We get rewarded for that. And then the reticular activating system changes. And we are able to see things that weren't necessarily being seen before because we were on autopilot or we were in fight or flight or we were feeling lack instead of abundance. Mm -hmm. So I love that you're talking about those whispers because it's so interesting when we quiet our mind what is possible. We might be like, I didn't realize I had that connection with somebody. Yeah. And it's also the synchronicity. So I did this vision board, I guess about a month ago, I got real clear guidance that I want to start working in a particular area. And the minute I got it out of my head, put it on a vision board, these three interesting old friends came into my life. And with that different opportunities. And so it wasn't a like, ta-da, here's the whole feast right here. It was like, calling him back, talking to him, finding out something new. So it's like almost a treasure hunt. And Mm -hmm. so since it came out of my head on the vision board, connecting with these three things, it's this unfolding. So it's also like so much more fun than all the efforting because literally it's, it's, it's a treasure hunt. 
it's almost like every day you're trying to follow the signs of where this is leading you. And it's so much bigger than we could ever imagine for ourselves. Right. You can definitely feel into the divine nature of it all, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Even remember what I just said right before you started talking about these three people, I said the connections that you didn't realize you had. Like I already knew she was going to say that because I could sense that she was going to say that. Like that's, it's so, it, the, all this energy is there. We're already reading one of my friends said to me that I'm a canary in the coal mine. Like I, I talk about how sensitive I am, but we already know, and we're already asking questions like the universe is responding. And, and it's important to pay attention to these whispers. Yes. And I've become so okay with the whispers that I constantly live by the whispers or mostly live by the whispers. I love that. Yeah. So we are provided with everything that we need in the moment. And then the next person gives you the next like you said, the treasure hunt, it keeps going. They give you the next clue, but it's hard, right? To surrender. That's the big and thing. One of my biggest journeys right now is, is my ego speaking or is it the actual, you know, divine source within myself really trying to understand where's that motivation coming on and, and what voice is that really? So it's pulling that apart. And I'm also learning very painfully if I don't listen that like it comes back and it is not pretty. No, it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> I was just telling, this is such a gross example, but it, it'll, it'll hit it home for you. I was on vacation and I kept hearing, trim your toenails, trim your toenails. It's so gross. I hate feet. I don't like talk, touching my feet, anything, <laughs> so, which is one of the reasons why I hesitated, but I heard it three or four times. And then... I was like, I on vacation camping and all that. I'm like, I got to find that. I don't know where that is. I'll ask Fen. And I'm like, I'll do it tomorrow after I get them from Fen. Well, later that day, I was moving a suitcase and I split my toenail in half because it was, you know, got caught on the suitcase and they weren't like extremely long or anything, which is why I was like, I'll just do it tomorrow. It's not a big deal. But had I done it, I would have saved the next three days. My toe was in pain and I was afraid Aiden was going to step on and all that. It's those little whispers that we just need to follow. Like there, we might say, I could do it tomorrow. Well, the universe is wanting you to do it today. <laughs> and right. that's why the whispers are coming in. And it wasn't yeah, pretty because I didn't listen. Okay, that, that what you just said is so key that I'm also learning, Amy. It's not tomorrow. When you get it, that is the, that, it, that is the impulse right now. As much as you and I have done the spiritual work, I mean, I'm waking up every single day. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's such a journey and it is like I, I screwed up. I, they were telling me to cut my toenails. But then again, I also saved my phone from being stolen because I got the intuition to turn around and look at my phone. Uh, mm. And sure enough, somebody was trying to steal it. So yeah, so I, I, I stopped that. So I'd rather have that than the other thing. But yeah, I mean, it, I think that when we look at children, like I mm. feel really lucky to have Aiden as my son and I watch him and how he interacts and how he feels things and stuff. And the other day he was eating his breakfast before camp and he's watching his iPad and I see him going like this. And I'm like, what are you doing, bud? And he's like, just clear my energy. <laughs> so he's eating, watching TV and clearing his energy. And I, and I looked at him and I'm like, wow, like what? That's so interesting that he's just doing that. But I think he felt judgment, like, because I started staring at him, watching him do mm -hmm. it and thinking in my head as a mom, like, what's, what's he clearing? Like, what happened? And then he stopped and I said, no, 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 it's okay. You can keep going. He goes, oh, good. So then he kept doing it. And they're just in the moment paying attention. Oh, this just needs to happen. So I'm going to do it. 
And I think that we as adults tend to really limit ourselves with that flow because it's maybe not acceptable mm. or may, like he stopped, he felt the judgment from me, which wasn't really judgment, but it was the observation and he might've perceived it as judgment. Didn't ask him. So we want to stay in that flow and it is hard because we might not always know where we're going. And sometimes it's not even a straight line. <laughs> And there's many different ways to go. That's the other thing. So if you didn't pay attention to that one person, maybe the other person had another route that you could go. So yeah, the surrender is really hard. And like you said, you're a recovering control freak. You said controlholic. Yeah, <laughs> controlholic and perfectionist, which I, I I really appreciate that you admit that and, and that you share that with us because I think a lot of us suffer from that. We're yeah. scared. So we tend to try to control things to feel safe. And then we wind up squeezing the life out of things sometimes and mm-hmm. not really feeling the joy and not really feeling into our divine nature and our spirit. Yeah. So Sydney, you are obsessed with creating conscious leaders. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> so tell us what are some of the principles that we should know about what a conscious leader should look like. So we know because there's so many people out there that are trying to help us, right? And mm-hmm. we might get misled by somebody who seems conscious, but isn't really. Is there a way, Are there certain characteristics that we could know about what a conscious leader should look like or be doing? Yeah. I mean, I guess from a business lens, I feel like conscious leaders are leaders that actually want to lead in a way that everyone benefits from the relationship. So if you look at like, like a fashion company, they want to make sure their workers are happy and taken care of. They want to make sure their customers are happy. They want to make sure their investors are happy. They want to make sure the communities they're working in the other side of the world, that the actual community is not destroyed by the work that they're doing. So often in business, there's only been one lens and that's been profitability. Mm. So this new birth of conscious leadership is really being aware and awake of our actions not just around those around us, but on the world itself. And to me, a beautiful conscious business is one that looks at profitability because if the company is not profitable, then it's not sustainable. Right. But it's also how it's treating its people and it's how is it treating the planet. There's so much greenwashing out there in regards to, oh, we're sustainable or we're conscious but they're doing like one initiative versus really integrating it into their organization. But it really starts with the leader to your question. And I struggled myself. How do I move forward in the most conscious way? Because so much of this is learning and growing and being okay, no matter what level you are within your career, that we have to continue to learn and grow and put our ego aside and say, how can I be the best version of myself? So I came up with something called Soul Map. It has three different levels and it's first level, the first nine steps is conscious leader and then conscious company and conscious community. And it was based on the seen and the unseen energy. So I studied feng shui a lot and also the chakra centers. There's different colors attached and a flow. So the first is purpose. If you are a conscious leader, like, You are aware and awake of your higher purpose. Like what gets you out of bed every day? And it's not profitability. (laughs) And it's not profitability. It's like, what is the why of why you exist? 
And then, so that's in the center and it's a circle. And then from there, it's our values and it's our authentic values. So, so often, like we make all these decisions every day, but is it actually supporting my values in my life? So it's almost like mapping out your life and not making any decision without saying, is it part of this? Another piece of conscious leadership is knowledge and cultivation. And it's really where the vision comes in. So if you have a purpose and values and you have this vision, but like there's usually a huge gap. So what do you need to learn and develop within yourself to actually get yourself at a higher level to achieve that? Another quality is health and resilience. So how are you actually treating your body and your mind, body, spirit and this nurturing so often, and including myself, we get so turned on by our purpose at times that we neglect our bodies. We completely deplete ourselves. There's nine different principles, but those are definitely the first four and they layer onto each other. So you can't really move forward in your life unless you're clear of what motivates you. And people are always like, oh, I can't, the, the purpose is so big. And it, no, it's simple. It's like, what do you like? Do you like nature? Do you like animals? Like, so it's really about bringing more of those in your life. And I think also a conscious leader needs to have a daily practice, period. Hmm. I think they need to be mindful. I think they need to follow their intuition. I think they need to continually have positive thinking and not positive thinking like positive like I'm poly purebred, but really of <laughs> like our thoughts create. Mm -hmm. And it's that the vibration of your thought attracts physical things. It's, it's physics. So you got to be careful of what you say and how you think. And then the last is you're in positive influence. Like, are you inspirational to your team, to those around you? So those are kind of four daily, daily practices that that keep you kind of in the space of being present to be able to kind of move this forward. I love how you said that being awake is really important, authentic, having a purpose. These are, and how important thought is, like these are all things that I think the really successful businesses have been doing. And by successful, I mean like creating a large impact in a positive way. Mm -hmm. They've been doing it for a while and they're going to continue to do it. Are you, uh, who's on your radar like for companies that are really like hitting it out of the park in terms of these nine qualities or uh, even just some of them? Because <laughs> I mean, maybe we're working no, towards absolutely. having all of them. First of all, there's so much rhetoric out there of being a conscious company and being sustainable, that there's kind of best practices out there. And for a business, the best practice is to become, become a B Corp. And it's a, it's a third party certification. And it looks at not just your products and services, but like your governance and how you're sourcing and how you treat your employees. And it's over 200 questions they ask you. And it's a point system. And then you have to prove it. So it's not just like, I'm wow. not just I'm doing it, but you have to have proof that you're actually doing these things. So that is probably the, the large, the, the, the highest standard within any company. And you could be in the fashion industry or the food industry, or even the business you're in. 
But to be B certified is the highest level. And there's about 2000 within the United States. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I think within the fashion industry, a couple of brands that I greatly respect is an Eileen Fisher, is a Patagonia, is a Misolo. I mean, even Athleta. I mean, oh, really? These are all B Corps. It's Hmm. very difficult to become one because you actually have to like, Think about every aspect of your business, like who's on your board? Are there women? Are there men? Are, they, are you diversified on every single level? But even like with uh, Simone Biles, with the Olympics of her stepping out and we're yet to see what's going to happen and how Athletas just stood by and said, she's an amazing human being and we support her. So it's like they're walking the talk and the products they make are so ethical. They, they are paying their workers in these developing countries, fair living wages. There's great working conditions, health benefits. They're also giving back to the environment. If you look at Misolo, they're, one of their main factories is in Peru and they're transforming the Amazon. They don't nice. need to. So it's not just like, oh, if you buy this shoe, you're transforming the world. You actually are. And they have proof to show it, but most companies don't. So those are just a few brands. But if you look at B Corp or Fair Trade, I mean, those are the real deal. Wow, that is freaking awesome. I love that. I, I want a list. Is Where can we get a list of all the ones that are B Corp? You can just type B Corp and all of them are listed on their website. Okay, cool. Awesome. I think I might only shop there now. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, that's really, really amazing. And I feel like that is where we're going as a planet. And I I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with so if I'm going to have to buy something, right, which I'm definitely also not consuming as much as I once was, not that I ever really was consuming a lot of things, but I'm definitely letting go and, and paring down and just realizing I'm okay with certain things. That's excellent. Thank you for sharing that. And fair trade, if we go to fair trade, is that also so is B Corp higher than B Corp? B Corp is more stringent. Fair trade's amazing. A lot of times it's leaning towards more agriculture and the fashion industry in the sense of the workers in developing countries, but B Corp is like a certification. So B Corp is just like a third party, but what they do is list all of their brands, regardless of if it's grocery or services or fashion or whatever, they have met the highest standards within the world, essentially. And you think those standards are good, right? Like you don't think Oh, absolutely. I have the 200 plus questions and they're asking all the right questions to help create a better world. That's really lovely. Yeah. (laughs) That's where we're going. I hope so. Uh, We can hang tight. We're getting there. Cool. Okay. So anything else you want to add? Like we've talked about quite a bit. I mean, you spoke at the UN. <laughs> you have so much to say. You help these women in uh, Rwanda. You know, I guess at home, we might be listening and saying, how can I do these kinds of things? How can I make a difference? Other than obviously, like you said, going to these companies, B Corp, and they're the ones that are giving back. And by buying a shoe from them, you're helping these companies in the world. Is there something that we can do at home if we have this dream to be more than just where we are right now? Absolutely. For me, and I know you always ask like the dark night of the soul. And so maybe I'll, and maybe if you're okay sure, with that, share, yeah. I'll, I'll tie that into it. But my career trajectory was straight up like manager, director, VP, senior vice president. And 
the more I was traveling, the more I started becoming disconnected from this corporate ladder to really listening to what's in my, my heart. And growing up, my dad was in the military. So I moved like 18 times. So it was also me coming to terms with caring about what people thought of me and what expected of me in society versus what was actually going to feed my, my heart. Hmm. So I guess when your audience is listening, the first thing you can do is have you sat quietly with your heart and what are the whispers as simple as it is, is like, I love animals and, oh, and I love dogs. Walking dogs make me happy. So it's simple things. So it could be a dog walking business. But if we lean into things that bring us joy, then the money will come. Then the prosperity will come. It, it never works the other way around. You have this big business plan and Absolutely. I could, I help people with business plans all the time, but if the purpose in the heart is not in there initially, then you can't. So my biggest transition in dark night of the soul was when I hit the, the highlight of my career and just kept on going, going, going. And I realized I was going to have to jump off that fast track, mm-hmm. managing thousands of people being perceived in this way and saying, you know what? I want to create this business in Rwanda for Kate Spade for myself to help me heal myself to feel connected because really my passion is to economically empower women. Going into these countries, I realized you can't send your kids to school. You can't have shelter. You can't eat properly. And so my, my kind of Achilles heel of what I've been trying to figure out for my life is to become economically empowered. So I have freedom. So it's through that that I have this passion to, to share it with other women. And that's my unique thing. Your unique thing is your superpower of your medical intuition and all of these other incredible gifts. My gift is my gift, and my gift is was actually my biggest pain and something I had to work through being okay with who I was and standing up for myself eventually and not needing validation from other people to to love myself and to feel valuable. It didn't happen overnight. It took many, many years. So that is the advice I would give is, Get really clear on your purpose and your values and then what the vision you have for yourself. And then, then the game plan comes and then the money comes. Mm. You're amazing. I love you. You took such a leap of faith. I I remember that when you were talking about it, because we've been in in a small spiritual group that was meeting once a month for, is it an hour and a half? I can't even remember. Something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Something like an hour and 15 minutes. We've been doing it for years we just are believing eyes for each other. And we talk about the things that we're going through and the others and hold space and encourage. It's been an honor to watch your journey as you've gone from this control manifester to this like being manifester and creating such an impact on the planet and sharing such wisdom right now in this podcast. I I feel kind of silly that I didn't know about these B Corps. I remember you mentioning them back in the day, I don't remember, maybe three years ago or something, and thinking, oh, I should look into that. But I I 
I'm glad that I know now. I guess I wasn't awake enough. And as you said, the journey is constant. We're getting more and more awareness. So is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? I guess the last thing I will say, it's about resilience. And over the last 15 months, I think the universe has asked us all to look at ourselves very closely and to invite us to really shed things that no longer work for us, both on the external and the internal. And I know things are not back to normal, but I know for myself that there were some such deep truths that came out of that experience. And I just, I know I keep on holding my feet to the fire to stay true to myself. And I, and I think I, that's what I would share with your audience as well is we are here on a limited time and we need to continue to not give up on ourselves. And yes, we all have down days. Absolutely. But we all have such unique gifts to share and we need to keep on standing up. So whatever you need to replenish your soul, to feel better, both from like a nutrition standpoint or inspiring podcast or whatever. But like I have a daily practice. I journal. I listen to Esther Hicks. I need help every single day. Even if it's 10 or 15 minutes, I meditate. And I'm still falling, but it's it what keeps me up and it's like what's in my toolbox. So just continue to build your toolbox because our gifts are all unique and the world needs us. So we just have to be resilient and keep on getting up. Yeah. And having a huge toolbox. <laughs> yeah. And having a huge toolbox. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the things that we hear all the time from any person little (laughs) to the big CEOs is that we have to have this daily practice. We have to have this mindfulness. If we really want to create the life that we uh, want, we have to be clear about it. Right. And I always say, and I I will say this till the, (laughs) probably the day that I die. If we're going somewhere, we, we, we would put in the GPS, the location of where we want to go, but we check in with where we're at. We have to have that moment where we sit with ourselves, take inventory, say, what the heck is going on here? What do I need to change? Where? What are the directions? Sometimes they're shorter, sometimes they're longer. And I think that we've talked a lot about that today with being these companies that are 200 questions long. You know, They're really getting clear about their vision. And I love that. That's really super cool. I would love to actually look at those questions just to see what Yeah, I'll asking. send them to you. Yeah, cool. Sounds yeah. good. All right. Well, everybody, if you want to connect more with Sydney, you can go to her Instagram page, which is The New Purpose. And then she also has a website that's called thenewpurpose.com. K-N-E-W. Yeah. uh, K-N-E-W. Right. Yeah. And and the reason for that, it's like we're always reinventing ourselves. So we don't want to throw away what we knew, but we got to lean into the new. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. And you also have this soul map coaching, right? That you do? Yeah. Yeah. It is excellent. And it's definitely a great way to start with finding out what you're here for, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show, Sydney. You're amazing. And I really appreciate all the work that you're doing on this planet to help this world heal. Oh, such a privilege to be here with you. Thank you. All content provided by Amy Stark and or her guests on the Stark Transformation Show, website or other platforms, including text, images, audio or other formats, are created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist.